1: at least partially convinced that something is going to appear on this car that is really quite innovative whether it's DAS two or something completely different but definitely uh, i think mercedes got some clever ideas up their sleeves for this year
2: After what has felt like a really long winter, F1 is officially back for 2023, with all the teams finally laying down some rubber during day one of testing in Bahrain. After a pre-season of porpoising in 2022 that foreshadowed a difficult year for Mercedes, today gives us a first real glimpse of the new car, the W14, on track. And whilst it's certainly too soon to predict how the boys and girls from Brackley will fare over the next 10 months, it's not too soon to look into the machinery they'll be taking along for the ride with them. My name is Bal Baines, and in this episode of the Silver Arrows podcast, we will, with the help of F1 tech king Craig Scarborough, explain the philosophy and design ethos behind the W14, building an accurate picture of where Mercedes is as they head into this upcoming season. We'll get into our main discussion with Craig in just a second, but before we do that... I would like to say a special thank you for joining us on this, the first step on our podcasting journey through the rest of the season from an exclusive Mercedes-AMG Patronus F1 angle. We are a truly fully independent podcast. And so the future of this project relies on getting this content into the ears of the right people. Obviously, we want to appeal to Mercedes-Fan, fans; is a given, but we also want to be a vehicle for people interested in growing their understanding or Formula One, even if they support other teams. You've heard it on numerous podcasts before, but if you enjoy what you hear, please help us out by doing two really simple things. Firstly, please leave us a positive review on your podcast host of choice. It only takes two minutes, I promise, but the push it gives us in the charts is absolutely priceless. And secondly, head over to Twitter and give us a follow at MerckF1Pod. You are the center of what we do on this podcast. So give us a follow, get involved in the conversation, and send in your questions. We'll use the questions that you send us to help drive our future episodes. So without further ado, let's jump in with Craig. Craig, how are you doing? Scarves, as you like to be known. Um, So I know who you are and I know what you do. But for our listeners who are listening on the podcast, uh, what's your sort of background and what do you do within the F1 space?
1: Thanks for the invitation. Uh, first of all, um, my background is that I am a, I suppose you would describe it, a technical journalist. Um, I've covered Formula One now for, well, it's um, 2023, so it's 23 seasons now where I first started covering the sport race by race, but I've always been interested in the technicality of the cars rather than the drivers and the politics and the racing. And I've just tried to explain to everyone how the cars work and what the differences are and why, you know, one thing here works better than the other. And that's really what I've done for the past 23 years.
2: We want to get into the little tiny details a bit later on, but let's go with a big overview. So what's the difference between last year's car, the, the W13, and this year's car, the W14?
1: Well, the big thing really is, I mean, we look back to last year and the car was plagued with you know, with lots of problems. It was overweight. Um, it had terrible porpoising. It seemed to struggle. Uh, with performance from the car as a result of that probably the only good thing you can say from last year although it was masked by other problems is that the power unit was great and it was quite reliable coming into 2023 there's very few regulation changes there are some but they're quite minimal and i won't sort of sort of cloud them the uh, issue we're talking about those yet but When we talk about aerodynamics, we talk about two things. We talk about downforce and we talk about drag. and The two are interrelated uh, in slightly different ways. So we all kind of understand what downforce is, which is the wings and the underfloor, pushing the car against the track, getting the tires working better. And as a result, you can go around corners far, far quicker than a car that doesn't have downforce. Now in a Formula One car, we get downforce from the underfloor, as we've said, and from the wings. And the wings in particular, they create drag as they're creating downforce because they're stuck out in the airflow. So they create an obstacle. You know, the air has to run over them and then they churn the air up behind them. And this slows the car down. So the bigger the rear wing you have in particular, the slower the car will be on the straight. And you've kind of got to balance your downforce versus the drag that you're creating from the wings and the rest of the car. And it's a balancing act if everyone has a different way of creating that balance. Mercedes have had a big job to try and re-engineer that car to put all of that learning they had from last year in how to get that car to handle, how to create downforce, how to reduce drag, how to get it to, you know, look after its tyres. And they've rolled that all into the new W14 car. Fundamentally, this is a, a kind of a deep reworking of last year's unluckily named W13. So lots of little things have changed, but really what they've done is kept the fundamental concepts last year, which were the zero side pods. They run the car very low down to the ground to try and create the maximum downforce, hoping that that will mean that they don't have to run such big wings, which reduces the drag. And they've kind of bundled that all into the W14. So it really is, as much as it looks completely different to some people, a completely new car, but an evolution of the concepts that they thought would give them the success last year, but unfortunately didn't.
2: We've seen the sort of a stripped down carbon fibre effect. Uh, we know that it's a black sort of livery that we've got on the car. It's to do with weight.
1: That's right. I mean, teams would love to paint their entire car um, because the marketing department love, you know, getting a full livery on the car so that everything looks really crisp and neat and very Formula One like. But if you painted in an entire car with quite a complex paint job or vinyl wrap, which is kind of, almost equal with paint in its popularity amongst the teams, um, you could be putting three or four kilograms of weight onto the car. Now, last year, lots of the teams were struggling to get down to the minimum weight level. And if you could add... If you could change anything on the car to make it quicker, making it lighter is one of the first things that you would do because it just makes the car quicker everywhere. Last year, lots of the teams, including Mercedes, were over that weight limit by, by, you know, maybe 10 kilograms or so, you know, give or take five or five either way. So if you can take paint off, that's quite an easy way to start to uh, reduce weight by, you know, one or two kilograms. So... I've looked at the Mercedes, I've added a, a drawing on social media if you want to have a look at my Twitter feed and try and worked out how much paint they had. I reckon it's about a third of that car's bodywork is painted and the rest of it is bare carbon fibre. And it's odd because they've chosen to paint it black. Now, they could have painted it any other colour. Now, obviously, Mercedes are the silver arrows. And I think one of the reasons they've chosen not to paint it silver, because silver paint is ever so slightly heavier than a single color paint uh, because the metallic element inside it so again another reason why potentially they've chosen to save a little bit of weight reduce the uh the the livery and black uh, again you know saves them just that little bit of extra weight on the car
2: Does it bring a lot out out of the lap time?
1: Yeah, I mean, a kilogram of weight, which, you know, the paint jobs that the teams are running now are probably less than a kilogram. So you could see that they've saved potentially two kilograms or more from a full livery. Now, it does depend how they paint the car or vinyl the car. But yeah, two kilograms is a lot. Um, You know, if you could... um, Offer one driver, you know, we'll give you a little bit extra money this year, but can you just kind of put two big kilogram weights in the cockpit for you? The driver would go, Oh, no, because that will add up to, you know, several tenths of lap time. Um, and it has other knock-on effects. You know, it it, it starts to degrade the tyres quicker as well. Uh, so you've got all those sort of worries as well. So yeah, weight is absolutely critical. Every team wants to be down to the minimum weight level, which uh, is 798 kilograms, including the driver and all of their kit and everything. Uh, this year, I think most teams will be back down to this minimum weight level, perhaps even a little bit underneath so they can play about with the balance of the car with uh, added ballast.
2: Does it suggest maybe that Mercedes haven't added as much performance over the winter uh, as they'd like, or do you think they're they're there or thereabouts?
1: I mean, this is the big question. You know, we know Mercedes have had problems uh, through their uh, initial test days, which are the filming days, which we've seen all those lovely onboards from. And you know, testing's only just started. Mercedes are kind of there or thereabouts. They've done the same number of laps as everyone else, which is what you would expect. But, you know, in years gone by, um, you know, I've been lucky. I've attended lots of the, the season's first tests. And historically, you know, since 2014, Mercedes have rocked up at testing. Day one, gone straight out on doing long runs, doing hundreds of laps in the first day. And we're not seeing that today. And we're not seeing those, you know, headline super fast figures, even though, that you know, the, the, the fastest lap that I think Lewis did today was uh, done towards the end of the day, which tends to be when they take the fuel out and go for a bit of a high speed run. It's not suggesting to us that Mercedes is going to come in and dominate the season. I think that's the only thing we can kind of take out of this. Now, that's not to say that they're not going to be competitive this year. It's not saying that they've not put enough performance in the car this year, but it just means that, you know, they're not back to their kind of pre 20 uh, 22 days where they would just kind of rock up and just dominate everything.
2: You mentioned Scarves about the, the porpoising a bit earlier. So, What's the difference between the W13 and the W14 in minimising the porpoising?
1: Well, the way you you probably never see the changes that Mercedes have made to completely understand this. Because as I've said before, it's a difference between the suspension and aerodynamics. Now, we can't see the suspension tucked away inside the car. That's changed ever so slightly. But obviously, that's a huge amount of work for Mercedes. The aerodynamics and with some of the rule changes this year would reduce that as well. And again, we're talking about very small, tiny changes that we would probably never be able to see with the naked eye. So it's all about just refining the details of the car over the winter with everything they learned through 2022. And I'm convinced that they will have the worst of these problems solved.
2: Scars, we have a question from Twitter. So at Wacky Maniacs asking, any thoughts on the wing thingies? I thought the regulations had banned them for this year.
1: Last year, Mercedes came up with a very clever way of joining the front wing elements to the vertical end plate that you see on the outside with the IWC logo. And they found a way of actually kind of beating what the regulations were trying to do and creating this big cutout at the bottom, which really works well for aerodynamics. Now, the FAA realised that this actually worked against some of the aims of last year's regulations. It's not some kind of witch hunt against Mercedes uh, because Aston Martin were equally penalised with an innovation they came up with. But the FAA are trying to allow these cars to follow each other much closer. They changed the regulations over the winter to try and outlaw this cutout on the front wing that they had. But Mercedes have been very clever, as they always are, and have looked at the regulation and found another way of kind of keeping that at aero advantage they had last year. So yes, they're right. The, the rules were supposed to outlaw this, but as with any set of regulations, someone with a very inventive mind can find a way around and beat them. So Mercedes have effectively created a big cutout in their front wing end plate, um, but by joining the wing to them in an ever so slightly way, a different way, um, while still meeting the wording of the regulations, um, we've seen other teams already. Adopt this. And I think we'll see lots of these kind of little bits of trickery through the year as teams kind of push the regulations and see how much they can kind of stretch the uh, scrutiny is. And uh, yeah, no doubt at the end of the year, some of these will be written out of the regulations again.
2: Yeah. Another example I could think of is the is the DAS, DAS system.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting you mentioned DAS because um, as we've seen through testing as well. So just again, just to go back for the people that haven't followed this too closely, DAS was a very clever system that Mercedes had a couple of years ago. and. It's very difficult in a Formula One car to warm up the front tyres. Obviously, at the back tyres, you can spin them up like a dragster uh, and get them warm. But the front ones, if they get cold, um, they don't work as well. So Mercedes found a way that they could actually change the angle of the front wheels relative to each other, what we call toe angle that you get with you're tracking on your road car. Um, and the way that this worked is the driver actually pulled the steering wheel with its column backwards, and this changed the angle of the front wheels to each other. Now, That was banned, and in my opinion, it was quite rightly banned because it was just a bit of a whole general, just a silly idea that really had no mileage in it going anywhere else apart from Formula One. I think we need to keep an eye on Mercedes this year with the steering wheel again. Through testing, they've had little sensors on the steering wheel. You've seen the cables and bits and pieces. And... I just get the feeling with some of the movement and steering wheel that they've got some other trick up their sleeve. We'll just have to see how this shakes out over testing and the first races to see if there is another kind of DAS like trick hidden away inside the W14. But it's certainly something that, you know, I'm I'm at least partially convinced that something is going to appear on this car that is really quite innovative, whether it's DAS two or something completely different, but definitely uh, I think Mercedes got some clever ideas up their sleeves for this shit.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
2: What sort of technical aspects can we see uh, on the W40? And I know that's a very, very, very broad question, but w- what sort of technical aspects can we see uh, on the, on this new car that we're seeing on track in Bahrain?
1: Okay, so if we we start at the front with the the nose and the front wing, so uh, the nose is ever so slightly different in shape, um, and you can actually see that it's the underneath of it has been scooped away even more than it was last year, and this is all about setting up the airflow that goes back down the car. And also, you know, the front wing, uh, where you make the downforce on the front wing varies as you go across the width of the wing. And they've changed that ever so slightly this year as well. They've raised the wing a little bit. And as I say, we mentioned earlier, they had the very clever wing trick they had last year where the wing joins the end plates at the front. Uh, They found a different solution to that this year. So the front really is, you know, quite complicated. It's, you know, very much evolved from last year and everything that they've learned. So that's all quite interesting. And then as you kind of go back through the car, you then go to the front suspension in terms of the, the arms that hold the wheel onto the chassis. And they've changed this in some quite interesting ways. So you have two arms which hold each wheel on, which we call the wishbones, them kind of V-shaped carbon fiber arms. But you also have the arm that steers the uh, wheels. Uh, it's what we call the track rod, uh, just as you have on your road car. Now, last year, this was high up. And this year they've moved it right low down. And that's quite interesting because that means it's sitting directly behind the front wing. And that track rod as it goes across to the wheels, it's quite influential on how the airflow works around the rest of the car, particularly guiding it to those tunnels. So that's quite an interesting change. And again, it's something that I, I want to have a much closer look at when I get the opportunity and seeing exactly how that arrangement is set up on the car. Now we know inside they've done lots of work with the suspension itself. We can't see that at the moment. I'm hoping over the first few races we'll have some great fo- spy photographs to understand exactly what they've done with the suspension. But when you look around that front suspension as well, you see all this kind of wavy bodywork attached to the side of the sort of the nose and where your feet are inside the car. And this is something that they introduced last year and have got even more dramatic with um, this year. And it's interesting because no one else has copied them in this area so far. And what this is trying to do is you can imagine the air hits the front wing wants to go up, but everything behind the front wing wants the air to be going down. So you've got lots of treatments with the suspension, as I've said, with this shaping of the bodywork to push airflow down towards these underfloor tunnels, which have changed quite dramatically. That's much more aggressive than what they've done with the floor this year. Um, And, you know, it's very hard to kind of explain it in words without pointing at diagrams, but Mercedes have probably got the most aggressive front end of a floor that we've seen across any car on the grid so far. And obviously everyone will be doing some catching up and bringing updates and no doubt Mercedes will as well. So that's one of those other kind of key areas and then we come to the side pods. Now, again, last year, Mercedes did something quite unique with their side pods, with the zero pods and that kind of wing that sticks out the side of the cockpit that attaches to the mirrors. Now, they've kept that this year. But what they've changed this year is, whereas last year that was all kind of glued to the chassis, now they've made that a removable panel. And there's now talk that Mercedes are thinking about changing this car visually very in a very big way over the opening part of the season, which is something they've done numerous times in the past with great success. And it's not always about them reacting to problems. It's just a case of what we see at the start of the season will very soon evolve into different things. So by having this panel that's removable, what it allows Mercedes to do effectively is completely change the bodywork along the side of the cars, you know, the side pods. So rather than having zero pods in this little winglet that sticks out, they could go for Red Bull shaped side pods, or they could have an even more radical zero side pod that none of us have ever thought of before. It just gives them lots of options that they don't have to bring the chassis back to the factory to make changes. And they could run, you know, a radically different side pod on a Friday decide they don't like it and put the car back to standard for Saturday, which gives them lots of testing options, lots of ways they can play with the shape of the car that really very few of the other teams have got so much flexibility in that area of the car. So again, we will need to keep an eye on that bodywork as we go through the rest of the season. Um, and then the side pods, as we've mentioned, um, you know, wide, wide and low, but, you know, very much trying to get the floor working as, as well as possible and the other thing is, you know, this this power unit, which we, you know, we spoke a lot about last year and everyone was convinced that the Mercedes power unit was not as powerful as it used to be in comparison to the Honda and the Red Bulls or the the Ferrari engine, the Ferraris. Um, I don't see that there's a problem with that power unit. As long as the car's not carrying lots of drag from its rear wing, you know, there's no reason why this car shouldn't absolutely fly along the straights, which was one of its weak points last year, along with its qualifying performance. And then as you get to the very back of the car, you know, lots of upgrades from last year. And the main thing really is how the hot air comes out from the radiators in the side pods. If you can get the hot air out of the radiators and not have it hit the rear wing or the diffuser, then it makes the rear wing and the diffuser much more efficient. So having this double-barreled outlet means that you actually enter it out the middle of the rear wing, which is the most efficient area. And because it's going out, up high in that area you can slim the rest of the side pods down because they're not trying to create outlets so this is something mercedes have worked on and it's really impressive kind of a mix of revolution and evolution it's very much a concept that they played with last year but they've really kind of taken it up a couple more steps and for me it's one of the most exciting cars out there on the grid um there's a couple of other cars that have got some quite interesting features on it but i think when you add it all together yeah, very much the Mercedes is an outlier and is a much more aggressive car and aggressive solution to these rules than anybody else has come up with so far.
2: You mentioned and touched upon some already, but what are the other main differences between the the Mercedes car and the and the other eighteen?
1: So the big differences that will really make the difference in the performances of the cars this year will be, like um, we've spoken about, rake and ride height. Mercedes still appears to be very flat, very low. Red Bull and a number of other cars um, are a little bit more, rates a bit higher at the back, bit sort of jacked up like a nineteen seventies hot rod. That's going to be one of the key areas that teams play about with, and both have got you know their benefits. Both can perform, uh, produce lap time in slightly different ways.
2: A question from Twitter from at Logan Denovan, uh, scarves for you. He's asking, uh, do you believe there is a B car? Uh,
1: yes, I do. Um, I believe that car is going to change quite visibly uh, through the season. Um, you know, we talk about the side pods. Now, I think that is something that's pre-planned and something that is already in hand, uh, not as a reaction to anything. I think a lot of people would see them bringing an updated car as a, a B-spec car would be, you know, uh, you know, a reaction or a, pro- a bit to some problems that they're having. I think, as we've seen so often with Merck before, that they've got a plan. And that's already uh, in action. I wouldn't be surprised if there were moulds already at Brackley for some changes to this car.
2: Now, scars, we're hearing some rumours down the grapevine that there might be some problems. Uh, can you shine a light on that at all?
1: Yeah, well, there's you know there's there's various strains of rumours going around. Now we know when the car did its initial filming day, it was cut short by a fuel system problem, which you know is fairly typical. Um, of, you know, cars going up for their first tests. they We also know that there were problems on the second day of their filming. The um, uh, first day of testing seems to have gone well. Uh, some of the rumours uh, are circulating um, around problems with the, the chassis flexing, with suspension breakages. Now, some of that has been presented as a, a major issue. Now, I know that there are some underlying problems that Mercedes have there, and it's just something to keep an eye on. But again, not quite sure how big an issue this is. And also, you know, just looking at some of their testing and some of the things they're particularly testing for in terms of vibrations around the car and bits and pieces, suggesting that there are systems on this car that they're not sure if they're ready to introduce and it kind of goes back to, uh, you know sort of lots of other rumors that are bubbling around so i think you know some of this is just you know people trying to pick up on too much to have a go at mercedes which you know, you know they are, are victims of that but with all of these there is a grain of truth underneath what some people are saying um and stuff coming out of factories just there are some underlying issues now these could be solved very quickly and we may never hear the end of them you know, hear about them again but again it's it's unusual to have some, such specific problems mentioned with a car this earlier on. So we'll just have to see how testing shakes out and if any of these rumours are proving to be true.
2: Scarves, I know your your time is is super precious. So last question before we end the pod. So where do you think the development will, will go throughout the season and throughout the, the 23 races we'll have uh, this year?
1: So I think what we'll find is, you know, the cars will changing competitiveness against each other. We'll find a period when someone gets an update and it works for them, and then suddenly they'll be getting pole positions or winning or being really competitive, you know, midfield teams getting podiums. And then someone else will make a change. So as I say, the general competitiveness is going to vary through the year, and it will only be as we go into those last few races um, that we'll see exactly how the championship will pan out. So whoever leads by the time we have our break in August isn't necessarily who's going to win the championship even if they have what looks like quite a large lead so it's a season where you've kind of you know, to use a football term everything to play for all the way up to the last few races
2: Garbs thank you so much for your time your insight your knowledge it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much
1: no thank you for the invitation I hope to speak to you again soon
2: And that's about it for this week. A massive thank you to Craig for his time and insight. We'll be hearing more from him as the season progresses and upgrades start making their way onto the W14. It sounds like it's going to be such an exciting season. Tune in again next week. We'll be catching up with ex-Mercedes strategist and former head of strategy at ass Mike Colfield. Mike will be detailing and offering insights on Mercedes' performance in pre-season testing. In the meantime, remember to follow us on Twitter at Merck one Pod. We'd love some of your questions to ask Mike and subscribe to us on your podcast provider of choice. That's all for now. See you next week.
3: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.